In the book of Genesis this morning, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at God's design for marital leadership. This is part two. And uh, I did, <clears throat> I read, I've been doing some research on uh, just what God has for a home and what happens when a, when a couple cohabitates, they don't get married, but they live together. What are some of the uh, results of that? And I'm going to talk more about that next week. This week is more uh, what God's original design was. But I want to tell you, if we do it God's way, it's going to be the best way. You can't improve on what is the best because God designed it and it's the original function of design. And so if we get back to what doing, and you know what? It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. You can say from this day forward, I'm going to do it God's way. And so don't beat yourself up, as I mentioned last week. It's not, a, 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 it's not a, an attack. It is a thing that I'm teaching God's word. And as we learn, we say, you know what? That's what God says. I'm going to follow it. I didn't do it in the past. God, please forgive me, but I'm going to do it God's way as we move forward. And I want to promise you, God will bless you for it. God will bless your faithfulness as you're willing to do what God says. And so Genesis chapter 2 this morning, we're going to look at verse 21. And we'll read through the end of this chapter. We won't deal particularly with verses 24 and 25 today, but um, <clears throat> actually, let's look at eight, verse 18, excuse me. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof, and Adam gave names to all cattle to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I want, to, I want to give you a little bit of some background on some things the statistics and science has discovered. Science has discovered and statistics have discovered, statisticians, statisticians, excuse me, have discovered what the Bible has said all along is the best way. A nurturing two-parent home with studies have shown and provide a child the most advantageous environment for growing to his or her potential. Just as nature, another one, this author, this is Joe McElhenney in a book called Hooked by Moody Publishers. On page 36, just as nature has provided a mechanism that works to keep romantically active married couples together, so it has in this way provided a built-in mechanism to ensure that infants are not abandoned Understand God's desire is, as we find in verse 18, a need for relationships. When a couple is involved in even a short-term relationship, like a one-night stand, and breaks up and then each moves on to a new partner, they are breaking a chemical bond and perhaps even a brain-molding bond that is formed. Mark Regeneris and Jeremy Euchre sum it up well. People who enter a casual physical relationship to not be complicated and hurt often get complicated and hurt. You go to all these dating relationships and you don't want drama only to find a lot of drama. Janice Kekolt Glaser and her colleagues at the Ohio State University Medical Center conducted a series of studies examining the connections between close sexual relationships, especially those of married couples, and physiological processes such as immune, endocrine, and cardiovascular functioning. These researchers report growing evidence linking relationship intimacy to better health, 
including stronger immune systems, physical wounds, taking less time to heal. Conversely, high conflict, anti-intimate marital relationships appear to weaken the immune system and increase vulnerability to disease, especially among women, including worsening the body's response to proven vaccines and lengthening the amount of time required for physical wounds to heal. The thing is, if we do it God's way, and a husband and a wife have a loving, caring uh, relationship between them, they said you're, you, have, you increase your immune system. Conflict and stress, it decreases your body's ability to fight viruses and bacterias and all sorts, it fight diseases. When we put ourselves in situations that are in conflict with God's word. The bringing together of a man and woman in relationship is a beautiful event. But it must always have Christ as the center of that relationship. When a marriage is created and acted upon in selfishness, you will always have problems. There will be many and various problems that arise and certainly conflict. A home where there is frequent conflict, there is a clear sign that the home is either living carnally or is lost. A home where two people are under the control of the Spirit of God is a home of peace and rest. Follow Christ and his choice for your relationships. God has a partner for you. If you have a desire for a relationship, there is a desire. And, and, and God has, if you have, there's that desire for not just a, a companionship, but a desire that I want to be with someone. God has a choice of a partner and understand that God has a will for your life, a specific will for your life. If your past is tattered and your past is, I've made a lot of bad choices, then settle in your heart from this day forward, I'm going to live God's way. You won't res don't resort to the old ways. God desires, God's desire are relationships that are pure and according to his will and ways. There's a story here by Les and Leslie Parrott. They write, I once read the story of a young woman who wanted to go to college. But her heart sank when she read the question in the application that asked, are you a leader? Being both honest and conscientious, she wrote, no. Returned the application, expecting the worst. To her surprise, she received this letter from the college. Dear applicant, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative they have at least one follower. <laughs> there are times for all of us to lead in various roles in our, and ways in our lives, but sometimes we become so focused on leadership that we, we forget our first responsibility is to be followers of Jesus Christ. The first of the command that he gave to his disciples. They were there fishing or they were there at the tax table. Follow me. Less than two-thirds of, when you think about some of the ideas, if we deviate from what we see here, if we deviate from what God has said, I want to read some statistics from what our society is seeing. These are not statistics with a bias towards saying, well, we're going to prove the Bible right by this. They just went and they got the statistics, they got the data, they compiled the data, and the data shows, listen, you follow the Bible, it's the best way to go. Let me, societal effects of fornication, which is having intimacy out of marriage. Out-of-wedlock pregnancy has a dramatic impact on the course of life for the mother, the father, and the unborn child. Unmarried teen mothers are more likely to drop out of school, receive welfare, have mental and physical health problems, continue to have out-of-wedlock pregnancies, and even if they subsequently marry, are more likely to divorce. For example, less than two-thirds of teen mothers graduate from high school or earn a GED within two years of giving birth. More specific, among teen fathers, 40%, 46% of teen fathers were neither married nor cohabitating with a mother by the ages of 22 to 24. 63% of teen mothers received public assistance in the first years of the child's birth. 52% of mothers on welfare had their child, first child in their teens. On average, a custodial single parent 
who receives child support gets about 329, this is U.S. stats, so it's not necessarily as applicable here, but uh, the study shows that there's a much higher likelihood of poverty, mental, and physical health problems when a couple violates God's wisdom. And I understand and many times in our lives we've had terrible growing up years. And so again, I'm not, this is not against anyone, but this is the very thing I want us to see in our minds. And the reason why I only bring those statistics up is for us to realize God's words. We sang that song, the Bible stands. If you want the most successful life with the most fulfillment and peace and joy upon your life, do it God's way. It's not what I'm saying. You could do the Bible way. Because God's desire, as we talked about in Sunday school, when we go into idolatry, it is a me-first mentality. But if we do it God's way, it's God first. I love him with all my heart, soul, and strength of mine, and I love my neighbor as myself. If you go into a marriage loving God and loving your neighbor, loving your spouse as yourself, you're going to be concerned for his or her welfare. And they're going to be concerned for your welfare if they're a believer. The studies show, so we must stop accepting man's wisdom. We must stop leaning to our own understanding and let God bring true love with himself and a future spouse that is God's will for you. Let God build your love life. By being submitted to him and his leadership, watch him bring the suitable spouse to you. Stop trying to lean and find that spouse and instead just do what God calls you to do and in due time God will bring her. There's more to that, but I'll talk about that potentially next week, but if you want to cut this short on that, if you just want to say, well, what is the answer on that? I want you to understand that God put Adam to sleep and then he brought a woman to her. You're going to find it in the exact same way. You'll find that God will, you're just out serving God, you're busy, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a, a spouse, someone that comes there, and man, they complete you. They're the very person that God has for you. God's going to bring it. You do what God need, told, tells you to do. Be faithful in what he calls you to do, and in due time, God will bring that spouse along if you're faithful. But stop trying to, you know, sometimes we're looking and looking and looking only to realize I'm not finding what I'm looking for. I want to tell you, my friend, if I settle with the conviction in my heart, I'm just going to do it God's way. I'm going to let God bring that spouse. I'm going to love God. I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what. And you'll watch God do things and you'll look back and you'll say, oh my. I was even thinking last night as I was reflecting on this sermon, I would have never imagined the wonderful wife God has given me, the wonderful daughter. I feel very unworthy, but it's all because of him. I'm telling you, God will do things in your life. You'll look back, even this week, as we were, were looking to do all the renovations. I gotta tell you, I made a little 30, well, his five-minute video, and I sent it out all over Canada, some five, actually about over 500 pastors and missionaries over Canada and up in other countries where Canadian missionaries are. And I sent it, and then I sent it to a buddy of mine down in New York, and I've had pastors call me, hey, we'd like to come up. I'm telling you, God's going to do a work we're going to see in the summer, but God's going to do a work now, too, in our hearts. But i got to settle, my friend. I don't want to leave this book. I don't want to leave away from this because life is a whole lot harder when I deviate from the instructions that God's given me because my loving Father in heaven says, I don't want to bring extra peace. I don't want to bring a lot of extra hurt and pain in your life, but sin always does that. Settle in your heart this morning. This is the book I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow the God that made me because his ways are the best ways. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for your grace. But I want to thank you for the wonderful gift that you've given. I want to thank you for my dear and precious wife, our daughter, and Lord, there's challenges, and Lord, I know, and just learning about life and learning to walk with Christ. Man, we stumble, we fall, we make a lot of foolish mistakes. But God, I want to thank you that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse from all unrighteousness. God, we can, we can get back to the cross. We can get back to the peace and the joy. God, you don't, the past is not held against us. When we confess our sins, it's uh, separated as far as the east is from the west, never to come together. And Father, this morning as we look at your pure and holy and unadulterated word, God, I pray that our hearts would be stirred, that we're going to settle it. I will do it God's way. Lord, help me to preach your word faithfully. I pray that you'd work through my lips, my thoughts. I need you, and God, these dear people whom I love and whom you love, I pray that you'd help all of us, Lord, to make a decision. We'll do it God's way. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. When you look at the establishment of a home, verses 27 and 28 of Genesis chapter 1, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed, who did God bless? Them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave the very truth here of the fact of God blessed them. God gave them responsibility. God gave them things to do. In Genesis 2.18, the Bible reads for us, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. God declared it's not good for a man to be alone. There is a problem of a relationship. Something is missing. There is a heavenly spiritual relationship. There is a physical relationship as Adam would walk with God in the Garden of Eden. But there is a missing human. There is a missing ability to replenish the earth at some point. And so before Eve is created, she's the final creation. But there's a relational connection is absolutely paramount to our existence. We need relationships. We need other human beings. And in order for the humanity to uh, continue, there has to be man and woman coming together and for the, the multiplication of society. But God desired, but God declared a help meet. That word meet there means suitable, suitable and sufficient. She, he knew exactly the woman that he needed to make for Adam. She was perfect and so was he. He knew exactly what Adam needed. The wife is for the husband. He is her protector, her stability, her leader of responsibility before God. But the judgment of God will come as a result of the husband's attention or lack of attention to God. He is the gatekeeper to the home. There is a phrase oftentimes used, happy wife, happy life. But this is actually an insult to God because it assumes that her happiness is my chief aim. That, my friend, is not correct. Her chief aim, as is his mind, is to please the Lord. If I please the Lord, I'm going to please her. I will, I will make her, the joy will come as I please the Lord and she seeks to please the Lord. There will be a mutual satisfaction and contentment. We find contentment in God Almighty. I don't find my contentment from just my wife. Man, I love being with my wife. I love hanging around her. And doing things with my, I mean, my favorite activity, if I'm going to do something, I want to be with my wife and go do a hobby, whatever it is. I love having my wife with me. But the Lord 
doesn't give happiness. The Lord gives joy. There's an internal, there's an internal joy. There's an internal uh, peace that comes within that God gives. And as I serve God, and as my wife works and serves God and gets to know him and her devotions, and I'm doing my devotions, I want to tell you that's going to be a good relationship. Because you're both not focused on each other and the failures or faults of each other. You're going to be focused on God. You're going to be focused on pleasing God. You're going to be focused on loving your neighbor. You're going to be focused on how others are doing, on how others are feeling. And you're going to be considerate of your spouse more than you're considerate thinking of yourself. You're going to say, what can I do to help compliment and help her or help him? Happiness is temporary, but joy is enduring. The book of Psalms, would you turn with me there, Psalm 1611. I will talk about dating and courting and all those sorts of things as we go along, but ah, man, my friend, the more I'm studying this, the greater the conviction is God's way is best. Don't try to circumvent it. Don't try to get around it. Don't try to do it your way. You might say, well, it's a whole lot better. I have a lot of happiness right now, but down the road, you're going to regret the decisions you've made. Psalm 16, verse 11. In Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is happiness. Is that what it says? No, it says fullness. This is Psalm 16, 11. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. A husband is supposed to feed his wife spiritually from the word of God. The statement, happy wife, happy life, is not about doing what is best for her and the family. The, the, the statement, what I ought to do is I want to please God, be most pleasing to the Lord. If I'm most pleasing to the Lord and her desire is to please the Lord, then we're both seeking to please God and we'll both come very close together in our relationship and as we know God. Elevating her happiness or elevating his happiness as a goal will always spell a lot of increased conflict. Because if she is not content in Christ, or he is not in content in Christ, you're going to have a lot of extra content, conflict. Look with me at Proverbs 21.9. We're in the earlier days of our marriage with my wife and I, and I grew up in a home with a lot of conflict. A lot of conflict. We'd go to church, but man, we'd come home, and mom and dad would fight. Oh man, would they ever fight. Sometimes separating. One time when I was little, slept in a hotel with dad because mom threw dad's clothes out. There was fighting, but I, even in the early years of my wife and I, there was fighting because my rut of my normal way of dealing with problems or conflict was to yell and scream. I was in Bible college and God was working on my heart. God was showing me a lot of my own selfishness in my own heart. Man, I'd have to over and over, I'd have to come up and say, I am so sorry, I treated you wrong, will you please forgive me? I had to ask for forgiveness a lot of times from my wife in those early years, and I was wrong. I'm thankful for her graciousness. In verse 9 of Proverbs 21, it's better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house 
There's nothing worse than being in a house of someone where there's constant fighting, bickering, or disagreement. If you think about houses, and a little illustration on this, houses in ancient Israel often had flat roofs with a parapet wall around the edge. Solomon's point here in Proverbs 21.9 is that it was better to camp out on the roof of one's house than live in a mansion with arguing, nagging, and contentious wife. Solomon no doubt wrote from experience. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. With all the wives which he had, he certainly had some who were difficult with which to live. An unsubmissive and contentious wife has driven more than one man to desperate measures. But I would say also, to, I would say on the contrary of that, a, a contentious and cantankerous husband has driven a, a wife. But the, the point of the, the relationship is not, I'm not going to fully fulfill her apart from Christ. I can't satisfy an internal soul need that I'm, I, I can't get in there. Only Christ can. Only the Spirit of God can get in there and, and satisfy that. And that's why if two people are unequally yoked, if one person knows Christ as their Savior and one doesn't, they're not going to have that, that good relationship. Or if both are Christians, but one's going towards the world and one's going towards Christ, there's going to be conflict. There's a statement is that a little further on this research of the neuroscience, the human brain is without question the most complicated three-pound mass of matter in the known universe. A critical human trait, one that has enormous implications for romance and relationships, is the need to connect with human beings. Parents can help a child develop this capacity. If we try to eliminate the connectedness from romance, we remove the uniquely human aspect of romance and the sexual act becomes nothing more than animal behavior. When this connectedness is allowed to mature in the context of a life, of a lifelong committed relationship, romance is a wonderful sustaining expression of love and humanness. What happens when a mother is separated from his mother, when an infant is separated from his mother, or when a long-term marriage ends with the death of a partner? The loss results in social pain, which results in seeking the social reward of being with others who care for us. When someone we dearly love, or if you're, I've never had to lose a spouse, and some of you have, and I, I can't even imagine what that'd be like, the pain. But your desire is to be around others who will care for us and kind of help lift us up and encourage us and strengthen us when we're there hurting and struggling because of my identity has always been with that individual. I remember when my grandfather passed, my grandmother, her identity was who am I? She didn't know what she was doing. There was a lot of there was things with my grandfather that were not good, but my grandmother, I mean, she just, it was kind of like when grandpa passed, she lived several years later, but ended up getting Alzheimer's and losing her mind. But <clears throat> I'm telling you, she just, she didn't know what to do. She, she just really struggled with finding out who am I in life. I don't want to cook. I don't want to do this. I, I just, she, she still continued to go to church, and I'm so thankful for that. Giacomo Rizzolatti, when he discovered a certain kind of brain cell that he called a mirror neuron, these neurons are responsible for allowing us to feel a loved one's pain or experience hunger when we hear someone bite into an apple connectedness is a result of being human and it's essential for our very existence the very first statement that that the statement that we read here and going back into genesis there where god says something is not good where does god first make a statement something is not good verse 18 of genesis 2 it is not good that man the man should be alone that word alone is to express the idea of oneself aloneness and God here understands that we need an earthly companion. For most, most people, there are a few that have the ability 
and, and, and have no desire for a relationship. And that's okay. That's totally okay. If that's the way God made you. And you just want to serve God with your life. My, we have family members that have been like this. and I have, My wife has an aunt that's this way and never married and loves God. Been very faithful in church and just a, an incredible encouragement at times. And, but God knows your, your need. But he said it's not good that man should be alone. That's the first time God says not good. That meat there is a help corresponding to him. Equal and adequate to himself. And God was going to remedy a situation which he said is not good. God still had a final act of creation. God made the woman suitable for the man, according to the personality and traits of Adam. Let me read a little bit more on this idea of of the neuroscience of going on. Marriage is a relationship in which the brain is molded to facilitate healthy, rewarding, long-term connectedness. Marriage is the relationship that provides the greatest chance for satisfaction, bonding, and healthy Romantic addiction. One long-term result of the mature love relationship that stays intact, and there are many such positive results, such as providing a stable home environment for child security is a relaxed, trusting, loving, rewarding, faithful, romantic relationship that finds its health as expression with uh, romantic consummation in marriage. When two people join, There's powerful neurohormones that are released because of that experience, that romantic experience, making an expression on the synapses in their brains and hardwiring their bond, essentially molding their bonds to connect to each other. It's a major factor that keeps a married couple together, providing desire for coming together, resulting in children, and assuring those offspring of a nurturing two-parent home in which to grow. The longer people are together, the stronger their connection can become. When that connection is broken, more problems can result than simply the loss of the relationship. That neurochemical imprint of that experience, the romantic experience remains often for many years and can make the bonding and then brain molding for a future, future healthy relationship more difficult on its most basic level. It seems that young people feel that something very important to themselves has been damaged by these sexual relationships that are so temporary. God did not give us to to date and break up and date and break up. God gave us to have one relationship with whom to marry in our life. It's not trying him out as a car. It's not trying him out as you try on clothes. No person is to be trying out. I'm telling you, we've got to get the mind of Christ. God calls us to get the mind of Christ. Do it his way. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meat for him, someone suitable for him. He doesn't need an animal. I'm telling you, dogs are good. Cats, I don't know about them. But anyway, some of you like cats. But uh, cats aren't so good. Some people like them. I don't know why. But anyways, and uh, there was not, but an animal is not going to satisfy him. I don't like cats. Anyways, if you didn't figure. Uh, but Adam was busy doing what the Lord had called him to do. There's nothing biblical. If you like cats, that's great. I'm glad for you. But uh, anyways, we'll pray for you more. Uh, God, you know, and Adam gave these animals names. And Adam, God realized that Adam was working hard, but there's not someone to experience life with. And the Bible tells us, 1 Timothy 2.13, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. We were meant to go through life with God and a partner. That's what God's desire is. Notice with me in verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. 
Now I want you to know, I'm going to read here, Matthew Henry has a fantastic statement here in commentary on this particular, what, what is said here in this passage of Scripture. He quietly says that the woman was taken from Adam's side, not from his head to rule over him, not from his feet to be trampled on, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected, from close to his heart to be loved, it is well said. We do not see Adam running frantically all over Eden looking for a helpmeet. We do not see him sulking under a tree because his desire for a wife was not instantly gratified. On the contrary, God put Adam to sleep, took out of Adam what he needed, and quietly fashioned the ideal helpmeet for him. In other words, Adam went to sleep in the will of God so far as that whole area of his life was concerned. Such a process may seem impossible to us today, but it certainly seems to be the divine ideal. While Adam quietly left matters in God's hand, the living God went to work to satisfy, to satisfy Adam's heart's desires. And the significance of this in verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her into the man. Adam was not created out of nothing, but out of the dust of the earth. And neither was Eve created there's a, a, a Hebrew word, ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. The rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he literally made, built into a woman. She was made of the same stuff as man. The same bone, the same flesh, the same DNA, her correspondence and form, her femaleness, her estrogens were shaped and constituted from the man. Eve was the first person to be created from a living being. Because she came from Adam, she perfectly shared the image of God. Their mutual flesh lies behind, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I want you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You say, I have a desire to be married someday. Praise the Lord for that, and that's a good thing. And I have a desire to have a companion, and you know what? We ought to be praying. Lord, bring me the, I'll be faithful to you until the day you bring me my spouse. God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I've done it my way for years. I've done it, or however long it's been. I've done it the wrong way. God, forgive me. I'm ready to do it your way. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be faithful in the word of God to meditate and to serve God. I'm going to be faithful what God calls me to do. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and this is the catastrophic error so many people are making in regards to relationship. Well, she's, he or she is cute or handsome or whatever. I, I, we have some common interests. I think we'll get along. You begin to talk and things happen and then you begin to move in directions. Then you begin to violate God's wisdom on certain things that you're doing and all of a sudden things in that relationship which at first might have seemed so good become so much of a dread. Proverbs 3, the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. Lean not and lean not unto thine own understanding. I think he or she is a suitable spouse for me. I'm going to chase after him. Understanding, are they faithful in church? Are they faithful in the word of God? Are they faithful uh, to, to serve God? How, how, what is their life like? Is it, number one, if that person is not found in the very place of worship for God, then you have to ask yourself, are they an individual with whom I should even pursue? And I would say no. Because if you're faithful in serving God, God's going to bring someone along your side. And lean not to your own understanding. We're so like, well, I, I'm like this, so I need someone like this. How about we ask God what person we need? The person that God's going to bring is going to be beautiful or handsome. God's gonna, God has someone suitable for you. It says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways except for relationships. 
The most important relationship and the most important decision you'll ever make apart from salvation is who you'll marry. You marry the wrong person, you're going to regret it. And it's going to pull you out of the will of God. It's going to pull God's peace and joy from your life. You marry the wrong person, I guarantee it, you're going to suffer more than you should have. Stop leaning to your own understanding. Adam was put to sleep. He just got busy doing God's will, and God brought the woman along. Don't worry about missing your perfect chance. And you're like, oh, I missed a chance of a lifetime. I wish I would have with that person. There's God still in control, my friend. God still knows the loneliness I might have in my heart. God still knows all of my fears and struggles and someone that will come alongside and help complement and build me up and help. God will use His power through them to work in my life. My wife has been a tremendous help to my spiritual life. And I've tried to help her life as well as we work together. There's a compliment that we complement each other. Notice with me in Genesis 2.22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And then what happened? Brought her unto the man. God brought the woman along that was the right woman for Adam. Now, Adam didn't have a selection to choose from. But if the desire is that I want to be married someday, start praying, God, I'll be faithful to you. Help me to be faithful in your will, but also, Lord, give me eyes to see the one you want me to have in your timing, and I'll wait. I had tried. I remember being in the military, and I was like, oh, i got to find a Christian woman. I kept looking, and then I'd start a relationship, it'd break up, start another relationship, it'd break up. You know what, as I finally I left the military, and I knew God was calling me into ministry, and I said, Lord, I, I sure like to get to know a young lady this year. We just got to, and so that year, my wife was, we worked the bus route together, and we just started working. I didn't have my eyes originally on her, and there was just one night, we're coming home, and she makes a statement, I was just like, something different about this young lady, something special. And we began to hang out with friends and get to, you know, talk and those things, and not necessarily with her. She was very shy. And uh, she lost her dad when he was young, and she had uh, kind of an uncle and some others. But uh, anyway, she was very close with her cousin. They was like a brother to her. And God just kind of, opened my eyes, <laughs> and I didn't get a date her that year until I had met with her parents and talked with them. I chatted with my pastor. Then we began, we set some ground rules for a relationship eventually when I got permission from her parents to begin a relationship with her and guarding and protecting her. I'll talk more about how to do that. But God brought the woman along God himself, like a father of the bride, will lead the woman to the man. Every aspect of what I needed in life as a compliment, I'm telling you, God will bring. 
she can't take the place of the Holy Spirit. But if she's walking with God and you have a vibrant walk with God, what makes you think God can't, God won't help you to grow and help her to grow? God has someone for you. Stop, we can't stress. When you want the romance of marriage before the Lord's timing, you're telling God you don't want the promised land of God's goodness. Adam and Eve had perfection and chose to eat the forbidden fruit. God perfectly knew Adam. He knew his entire nature. God created Adam for a woman. God created Adam from Adam a woman, excuse me. They were not formed from nothing. They were formed from the earth, unlike all the rest of the creation. I'm going to ask you some questions now. Who built the house for this couple? God. Who gave Adam and his purpose? God. Who would see the need for Adam? God. Who realized that the fruitful multiply and subdue it were incomplete without a wife? God. Who saw the loneliness of Adam? God did. Who brought the wife to Adam? God did. The same God that made Adam and Eve is the same God that made us. What makes us think God isn't going to want to do the same for us? The entire scenario, God sees our entire nature. He cares. The idea of dating, breaking up, dating, breaking up is actual faithlessness that God doesn't, that God doesn't know what he's doing and I'm going to find the perfect mate. You're telling God that he's a liar, that he won't be faithful. And you're being unfaithful. Most young adults in dating relationships would often do include a romantic involvement, do not view their relationships as permanent. I'll try it out. It'll be a fun thing. But the same God that breathed into Adam and Eve the breath of that breathed into Adam the breath of life breathed into you the breath of life. The same God whose state is not good for a man to be alone is the same God that knows your need of being alone, your loneliness. Instead of flirting, dating, breaking up, and testing God's patience, why not be faithful in doing what God has called you to do? And in the right time, the Lord Jesus will bring that spouse. The issue of loneliness is first and foremost a test of whether I will carry out and do all the Lord's called me to do. And will I get to know Christ? Sometimes in that loneliness, I'm thinking, I need someone to complete me. But God's saying, listen, I want to complete you. Because in that marriage, there's going to come times where you you can't be completed. And you're struggling. You're like, I want her. I want him to, to fix this for me. And they can't because there's something inside that only God can do. And unless that relationship with God is vibrant, unless that relationship is so, so strong, you're going to try to find fulfillment in that other person being dependent upon them. And when I'm dependent upon them and they're dependent upon me, we're going to push each other down. My only dependence is upon him. And if I receive my dependence and my power and my joy and my happiness and my peace and all those things from the almighty God I, then I can fulfill my spouse and Adam made a statement in verse 23 and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she should be called woman because she was taken out of the man this marriage produces joy a unity of purpose and desire a oneness she complimented him as I draw this to a close Marriage is a team working together. Marriage is a gift of the Lord. Not that we deserve it, but it's a gift. There's nothing better than living life with the one whom the Lord will bring your direction. Nothing more fulfilling than having a best friend with whom you can share and enjoy life. If I'm really struggling, I can open up to my wife and she can open up to me. 
There's nothing more destructive than a spouse who does not fulfill their God-given role and fails to care for you as God designed. Marriage is teamwork. And each person has fulfilled their role on the team. Marriage is the closest of all human relationships and the very thing to make or break your journey of faith with Christ. A bad marriage is the worst relationship in life. Look with me at Proverbs 12, 4, the last verse this morning. Our society has it all wrong. And you might be saying, Pastor, you're outdated. I just go with the God who came from yesteryear, from the past. You know, he's, he's forever in the past and forever in the future, so yeah, I guess it's old. But it's also new and present and still relevant. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. A woman of integrity, she's a crown, a blessing, like a source of great, if you would say pride, but pride, you know, kind of appreciation, not pride, but appreciation. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Nothing can reduce a man to nothing than a nagging, complaining, critical spirit. I would say that would be for both spouses. We must first submit to Christ to build your life or else you're going to continue to struggle. If there's a mess up, maybe a marriage is on the rocks, then what two people must do is submit to doing things God's way and see the Lord restore your love for one another as well as for himself. You cannot have a fulfilling and joy-filled life apart from doing things according to God's design for marriage. This morning as I draw this to a close, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make it help meet for him. Gentlemen, if your desire is for marriage, the woman that God has for you, she's a gift, a precious gift of God to be treated with the utmost care she's a gift from the Lord. Men and women understand this. That God, as we serve Him, and we're busy asleep in the will of God, God will bring a spouse in His due time. But you've got to stop seeking to rebel against God, seeking to do life your way, and say, God, I'll do it your way. When my spirit and my will is okay, God, I'll be dependent upon you. I'll trust you for everything, with all your heart. You'll watch and see what God will do in your life. Is it going to be immediate? Is it going to be next month, next year? I don't know. I'm not God, but I guarantee you that this book is true. If you follow it and honor the Lord, then God will bless your faithfulness. So make a commitment that I will date, and you must not date. If you're going to date, you're dating with the intention to marry. If I ask that person out, if I'm asking that person to go on a date, now you can go out with friends, all sorts of things, get to know them, but if I'm asking them 
seriously consider starting a dating relationship, I intend to marry them. They'll put in I do until I come together and live with that person and I consummate that relationship. I'm going to put God first. I'm not going to do it outside of marriage because that's what God calls. God's design for the marital relationship. Yes, the husband, Adam, was the protector and the stability for her, but she was complement to him, equal. Man and woman are equal, different, different roles to, to fulfill. But if we do it God's way, it's always the best way. As we come to the conclusion invitation this, eve, this morning, I don't know, again, whatever your past may be, where you're coming from on all that's happened in your past. But I want you to understand that you are so valuable for Christ and loved by God and such a blessing. <clears throat> and God loves you with unbelievable, unconditional love that he went to the cross for you, so you're of a value. And so is a person that God may want to bring your way. Don't undermine who you are, but also don't undermine who someone else is. If we'll simply just resign our will to God. Don't do it. It's not, I'm, not me. You, it's between you and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will lead and guide through His words. You follow His word to do it the right way. The excellent way. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, first question I want to ask you, you can't know God's will. You can't know what God has for your life if you're not his child, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ by faith alone. All of us are sinners. All of us have wronged God. All of us are guilty, and, and we all deserve hell. In the Bible this morning, and God is not willing that any should perish. It's not the church. It's not if you've been baptized or done mass or given penance or any of those. It's simply... Will you trust Jesus as your Savior? Please forgive me of all my sins, Jesus. I know that I have offended you. I know you paid for my sins on that cross. Will you forgive me and be my Savior? And Christian, man, understand the gift of Jesus Christ. Understand and give God all your heart. Get faithful in serving God and watch what God will do. And if you desire, you say, Pastor, I really want to be married. I believe it's what God has for me. And you start being, continuing to be faithful for the Lord. Start praying for that spouse. God, please help me to find the spouse. You show me the right time and I'll act. And Lord, I won't act until I know it's of you. And God will have, I'll talk more on that. But I promise you, my friend, you'll never go wrong in doing God's will for your life. As you pray, when you're done praying, look up. We'll conclude in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, I just 
I pray for each and every person that's here and watching, Lord, that you just help them in their lives to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, to trust you with all of our hearts, to not lean to our own understanding, and Lord, instead to be firmly fixed on doing the Lord's will for our lives. Lord, help us to be steadfast upon thee. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for the message. Lord, I ask that you'd help us as believers to be a light in a world of darkness. I understand the message this morning is in great contrast to what our world believes and teaches. But may we be the light to love Jesus more than we love ourselves or what society thinks. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for the grace you bestowed upon us. In Jesus' most holy and precious name I pray. Amen. God.